0: Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five,
1: four, three, two, one.
0: Welcome into the Mass and All Access Podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. On this January 25th afternoon, Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you live from the Masson Web Studio. We are live, of course, on the Masson Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel. And of course, if you're not watching us live, what are you doing? But hopefully you are catching us on the podcast after the fact. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and wherever you can get podcasts, you can find the Massen All Access Podcast. Don't forget Spotify I, either. Well, you've seen a lot of us. Over the past couple of weeks, last week, less mm-hmm. than a week, we did a podcast last Wednesday. All Access show on Friday. Now here we go, Tuesday afternoon on another episode. Amy, third time in a row in less than a week, we are dressed almost exactly the same.
1: I know. Well, I thought you were wearing navy this week, Bob. I oh, wore navy we, on Friday. I just said, right, we've
0: been right. doing a lot of these shows that's over the right. last week, and I wore navy he on Friday. He said he was going to
1: wear navy this the week, but time. then we had that surprise show. Yep. But yeah, the next time. So
0: I counted Friday as the next time.
1: Yeah, you're right. So So here we are again. Three shows in less than a week. That's good for
0: (laughs) us. Maybe not so good for you guys if you're bored of us already. But uh, (laughs) it is good that, you know, there are some things worth talking about during this winter. Winter is moving along. Um, For the most part of this podcast episode, we're actually going to go down memory lane for the Nationals. uh, Because of the Kevin Franzen being the new Nationals color commentator on Mass and Broadcast this season. That came down on Friday. We did not get to talk about the seven-year anniversary of the Max Scherzer signing with the Nationals. We're going to break down what that mm-hmm. meant for both the player and the franchise and all of baseball over the last seven years um, and how that ended and now now what the future means for Max and the Nationals and pitchers in general. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, we didn't get to reference it too much on the actual anniversary so we're gonna look back a little bit on that but before we get to that amy quick question did you play wordle at I all I did, did and it
1: is fun all right i got yeah, one <laughs> i can see why people get hooked i've played it i think three times i did well the first time it's been downhill ever since mm-hmm. um but it's really fun i really think we need to make our a nationals edition on the show because yeah
0: okay so that's we'll <laughs> add that to the uh, i think that's already in our yeah i think uh, we added it Google last notes. week um so a game that we could play, maybe if we're running out of time or running out of topics from the podcast, we could play a Nationals version of Wordle. We do have a whiteboard uh, at the ready, so we could use for the show. I'm um, so glad you like it. Yeah, I've not done today's yet, but it is fun. Um, been reading more articles. Like everyone's like all about it, of course, because it's a new hot thing. But everyone, it's like just because you're bad doesn't mean you're not smart. And then mm-hmm. I read one this morning that was like your your strategy says a lot about how you think of the world. Yeah, and I was like that's pretty deep for mm-hmm. a word. It's a five letter word game, but all right. And that's, that's, I guess every people time I go to put about about my it. first
1: word in, I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, what does this say about me? <laughs> like today I put money. I was like, what Ooh. does this mean? Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just money on the mind? Yeah, I guess so. Um, did you, do you, have you played on hard mode yet? Did you know no. there was a hard mode?
1: I think I saw a tweet about it, but I haven't. It's have not
0: you? that, no, I haven't, but I will admit hard mode is basically my strategy anyways. So hard mode means that if you guess a letter in the right spot, you can't guess another word without that letter being in that spot. So it's like some people, which I didn't know because it's not my strategy, some people will guess like a word, get two letters right,
1: do a completely and then do a completely
0: different word just to get more letters available uh, to them and then try to figure it out from there. I always, once I get a letter I in stick the spot, with it. Yeah. I stick with that letter because in my mind it's a waste of a guess not to try to at least guess a word with that letter. You know then, it's going to be there. But right I guess there is. That, that was part of the article. It's like that's how people look at the world, I guess, or this game. So that was my strategy. So well, I have not tried a hard mode yet, but uh, maybe I'll try it this way, even though it's already my basic strategy. <laughs> um, all right, on to baseball things real quick before we get into the Max Scherzer stuff. Today actually marks the announcement of the Hall of Fame new Hall of Fame class, and it's a big one because there are some, there aren't a lot of regular new names that are first ballot shoe ins. Mm-hmm. There is one obvious one that we'll talk about in a second, but there, of course there are a lot of controversial names. Uh, that it's their last time being eligible for the ballot. Now, of course, they could also get elected later on by this committee that will elect people who are no longer eligible or whatever later down the line. We won't get to that into that too much. But the first person, new name on the ballot who I think and most people think is the only real legitimate shot at being a first ballot Hall of Famer is David Ortiz. And, of course, we know about his career with the Red Sox, the World Series title. Uh, it's significant because he might be the first true designated hitter to be elected to mm-hmm. the nation- to the Hall of Fame. Um, there is some sketchiness. Uh, that's not the right word, <laughs> but to his past, um, but not as much as some other names that are on the ballot does David Ortiz get in in his first year of eligibility, do you think?
1: I don't see him getting in in the first year just because of the combination between him being a career DH mm. and people you know, believing whether that's worthy or not, um, even though you look at the numbers and his success, it points that it is. And then the other side, side of it, of course, is the steroid use and the Mitchell report. And I think that combined controversy, he might not be a, a first-year shoe in
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I think with some controversy in the past, I, I agree. But I he's he's going to get in eventually. Mm-hmm. I would have to imagine. Um, and and like I said, he's probably the first one, uh, the only one only of the first timers to probably get in on the first shot right here. Uh, I think it'll be close if he doesn't get in. If he doesn't get in, he'll at least be close. Um, but you know he'll be a Shubin in the next year or two, I think. Yeah, least.
1: that's why this ballot is so interesting because there aren't, I think Mark Zuckerman said, aren't any slam dunk candidates mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and then there's also, of course, the controversy. This is last year that Bonds and Clemens are both mm-hmm. on there. So that'll be interesting to see if there's a president set there. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting, weird year, and it's possible that nobody gets in.
0: Right, yeah. And so you mentioned Bonds, Clemens, Kurt Schilling too is technically mm-hmm. still eligible, even though after last year he said he asked to be taken. Basically, said he wants to be taken off, but the hall did not do that. Um, do any of those guys get in? Do you think? in their last year of eligibility again. Keeping in mind that it is still possible for them to be put in at a later right. date by this other subcommittee.
1: I don't know, Bobby. I don't. I don't see it happening. But I mean,
0: last year was the closest they've ever been by a right. lot. So they're they they were close, right? And, you know, typically if they follow the same trend that you typically see with players getting closer mm-hmm. and closer, they have a good shot, I think, today. That's it, their best shot, I think, that they've ever had. Um, it, it's, it's tough. I'm glad I don't have a vote. Oh,
1: I know. I don't
0: – I never want to vote. I want that on the record right now. If if, Major, if the Hall of Fame came to me tomorrow and said, here, we're giving you a ballot for next year, I'm going to say – I'll be like, Nah. Really, no thank you.
1: It's just, it, it's cool when the writers release their their, yeah. their ballots and explain their picks. Uh, I, I really like to go through those and read those. It's just, it just depends on how they vote. And yeah. these guys, it's just so tough. I just. I don't envy the medal. I don't. And I'm, I just want, I just don't know why. I wish they would just make a rule or, you know, yeah. like I said, set a precedent. So. Yeah they know kind of like what they're going off of, but it's just, it depends so much from, uh, you know, voter to voter that it's really impossible to tell. Do you think this is the year?
0: I hope so. I th- Look, I mean, I, if I, I say I don't want to vote, but if <laughs> I had a vote, I, my, my always thing I come back to is that if the Baseball Hall of Fame is a museum of baseball history, you cannot include a guy like Barry Bonds. Kurt Schilling, maybe a different conversation. I don't think his off the field beliefs, antics, whatever, really. I don't think that should affect him. You cannot like the guy, but you at least have to put you have to put the player in the Hall of Fame. Um, if baseball is truly a museum of baseball history, I think a guy like Barry Buns has to be there. But I think yeah. you're right. There has to be. There, there's not a precedent for that. There should be. You know, do you Some put in with direction? Right. Know? I mean, it's do you do you make like a whole new this is the steroid era wing? <laughs> and, and in my also mind, look, it's kind of like the, you know, the line from I me. Mean, I'm going to reference the Incredibles here. It's like if everyone's super, no one is. If everyone's cheating during that time, which, of course, everyone wasn't. But if people are cheating during that time, then is it really that unfair? If Barry Bonds was then, the only one doing it, sure. Right. And then why out. do
1: we give David Ortiz a pass? Right. Because he was on this, you know. Exclusive list, or you yeah. know, supposed to be an undisclosed list. I feel like he kind of gets a pass, and we forget yeah. about him. But what's the difference there? Yeah. You know,
0: I think he, he's one of the best setters of all time. He deserves a recognition of that. And and the other thing is too. And if we're Amy, going to do
1: that, then right, these guys yeah. get in too. That's
0: yeah, true. But the other thing too is that you know, no matter what happens today or in the future for this Hall of Fame ballot. No not everyone's gonna be in total agreement. People are going oh, if he no. gets in, people are gonna say he shouldn't be in there. If he doesn't get in, there's always gonna be people that say that he should be in there. So it's it's not gonna go away. It's gonna be a conversation we have mm-hmm. for the rest of time. Um I'll
1: be happy to see what happens with these guys, and then I think that'll determine the future of a lot of that's other a good point. Players. That that
0: will be the precedent mm. that you're talking about. Yeah, that's a great point. Um so it should be interesting. I think that announcement comes today or coverage starts at four o'clock on MLB Network with the announcement coming around 6 o'clock tonight. So that would be interesting to see and follow. And and Mark Zuckerman is one of those writers that uh, votes, and he releases a lengthy post the morning after dis- uh, discussing his ballot. So be sure to check that out on MastinSports.com on uh, Wednesday morning. Um, all right, so to the Nationals now uh, specifically. And this is a guy that is likely going to be the first person in the Hall of Fame wearing a curly W cap, um, Max Scherzer. Seven-year anniversary on Friday, January 21st. Back in 2015, he agreed to a monstrous Mm -hmm. seven-year, $210 million deal with the Washington Nationals as a free agent. That included a $50 million signing bonus to, to be paid out over 14 years. He earned $35 million a year in 2019, 2020, and 21. I believe in the three years prior, he earned uh, $15 million a year. And then his first year in 2015, that's kind of funny that he only earned $10 million that year. Plenty of award incentives. We know about the, uh, the Cy Youngs, uh, the All-Star appearances, and a full no-trade clause, which, of course, he waived mm-hmm. uh, in July to complete that deal with the Dodgers. Um, Interesting looking up, people don't often remember this, but he was offered a six-year extension by the Tigers worth up to $144 million after he won the American League Cy Young back in 2013. He declined that, bet on himself, Mm -hmm. and that worked out because he got paid by the Nationals. And did that ever work out for both sides?
1: Exactly. At that time, he was still... Younger, but he was coming off that Cy Young Award win, and he was still kind of playing behind Verlander. And I think we forget just how good that pitching staff was in Detroit.
0: David Price,
1: mm-hmm. but he bet on himself, and it paid off for both sides, both the Nationals in that seven-year deal, and of course Max Scherzer as well.
0: If you're looking at the national point of view too, it was kind of unexpected because this happens in the January of 2015, the winter of 2015. Um, and the season prior, the Nationals are coming off their second NL East title. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the, had their best record in baseball. Uh, they lost, of course, to the Giants in, in uh, four games in the NLDS, and the Giants wanted to win the World Series that year. A tough year, but unexpected because the Nationals in 2014 had the best rotation ERA in all of baseball. Right. So they didn't need to make this move. They, had, they added a strength, a major strength, to their already... Strength that they already had in their rotation, uh, and went out and got the best free agent pitcher on the market in Max Scherzer. And we've look at it, seen we've seen the athletes. I mean, we look at his career with the time with the Nationals. Um, such a great, uh, of course, the, the deal in January. He throws out two no hitters that his first season with the Nats. Uh, One in June against the Pirates at home should have been a perfect game. Shout out to Jose Tabata, uh, and then throws a no hitter against the Mets in the second game of a doubleheader on the second to last day of the season. Next season, he strikes out 20 against his former team in May. He wins his first Cy Young Award that year. Um, Then he wins his second... In 2017, when he won his first one in 2016, he was the sixth player to win the award in both leagues. And then when he was he won his second straight, he was the 10th player to win it at least three times, joining with his American League Cy Young and the sixth National League player, or pitcher to win the award in back-to-back seasons. And then, of course, the World Series in 2019 and then the trade uh, back in 2021. So an incredible career. That right there resume alone is probably good enough for a Hall of Fame career. But then you add the AL Cy Young. You add what he's going to do possibly in the next couple of seasons with the Mets. Look at his numbers right there. A career 280 ERA, the, all the strikeouts, the whip under 1,000. Max Scherzer put up one of the best careers with a single team that we've ever seen.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, I mean, and when you're looking at that timeline, he came right away. Two no-hitters in 2015, yeah. his first year with the Nationals. Then in 16 and 17, wins back-to-back Cy Youngs. And this guy just keeps getting better and better. Um, and then obviously the Nationals wouldn't have won a World Series without him. So his time with the Nationals. And, you know, not only when you're, you know, you're looking at this and when we're going to talk about, you know, some of the best free agent signs in all mm-hmm. of history. And Max Scherzer is definitely up there on that this list. And I think a big part of that is Max Scherzer has pitched the most innings in all of baseball. Yeah in this contract since 2015, which says a lot, a guy who is making his starts all the time. He stays healthy for his entire career and is successful for his entire career in, in DC.
0: Yep. And adding on to the accolades, he was elected an all-star and every year that there was an all-star game Mm -hmm. being played, excluding 2020, of course, with the shortened season, he made all but one opening day starts in the seven years he was here with the Nationals. The one he missed was 2017 when he was dealing with that ring finger injury and a knuckle fracture. Um, And also a little note on the, you mentioned the no hitters, people also kind of forget the his start before that no hitter against the Pirates, he struck out sixteen in Milwaukee and a one hitter and a Jeez. complete game shutout uh, against the Brewers. So he that stretch of of I think it was just it might have been his whole month of June. He was untouchable and, and the hottest pitcher on mm-hmm. the planet for that month. And Nash, that's I think that was the part the Nationals fans really fell in love with when you saw the greatness that was being put on in front of you every single day. And then he struck out 17 in that second no-hitter against the Mets. Probably, and I haven't checked the starting lineup, it's probably a Triple A lineup because I think the Mets had already locked up the NL East that year. And of course, they go on to win the pennant and lose in the World Series. But still, I mean, 17 strikeouts on the last eight. It's the second to last game of the 162 right. game season and Max is still out there pumping fire and, and trying to get you out and, and got the job done with a second. no hitting. Right.
1: And then goes on to tie the single game record for strikeouts with, yep. t- with 20 strikeouts. Um, it's he's unbelievable.
0: And I think he was a strike away from 21. I was sitting in this exact spot actually watching that game. Really? And I think he was a strike away from 21 in the ninth and almost got it. Uh, it ended up being a, a, a pop flyout uh, in foul territory. I forget to who, but it was incredible performance that night for him as well. Right, and
1: top five in Cy Young voting in every single yep. year with the Nationals. It's not like he got those two Cy Young awards and that was it. He dropped off, obviously. We know that wasn't the case, but to finish top five mm-hmm. in his entire career with the Nationals is
0: incredible. And, of course, he made plenty of postseason appearances. His postseason history, aside from 2019, had its ups and downs. He was typically the game one star. Wildcard wild card game starter in 2019 i think everyone's gonna though more so remember the world series mm-hmm. we know he how he dominated he almost threw a no hitter against the cardinals his hometown team in the nlcs but starting game one not being able to make his game five start at home joe ross comes in and puts up an admirable performance in his place and an emergency start battling neck and back issues his wife erica having to help him get dressed and out of bed uh he had to sit on that what is it, a four-hour flight to Houston, um, and, and then come back and pitch, start Game 7 of the World Series mm-hmm. uh, and pitch and well enough for the Nationals to stay in the game and, of course, end up winning
1: it. Right, and in Game 5, you remember... I think it was Davey Martinez in his press conference was saying this, he must be really hurting because yeah. when Max Scherzer could take the ball, he he took the ball. Yeah. That's just how great he was. 66 postseason innings with the Nationals, finishing with an ERA 273 yeah. um, in the postseason. So when he could take the ball, he took it. He's a fighter just like you saw in game seven. Um, so he was really hurting that day.
0: And game five also reminds me of the things that we're not talking about that you can't look up numbers on. And stats and the stuff that he did off the field here in D.C. Uh, What comes to mind when we talk about Game 5 is you talk about Davey Martinez's press conference. Max had a press conference before that game, too. Injured players don't have to do that. That's right. Typically, Mm -hmm. injured players don't speak at all because they don't have to, because they're usually getting treatment. Max limped his way from the Nationals clubhouse to the press conference room and spoke to reporters for, I want to say it was about 10, 15 minutes, in um, so much pain and and described why he was not being able to take the mound tonight. As a reporter, as fans, I'm sure you would really appreciate someone being like, here's the here's how I'm feeling, here's the reason why I'm not pitching today, instead of hiding behind a locker or whatever. And then what him and his wife did in the D.C. area over those seven years so much work with the humane society uh public service works in this community all the time off season middle of the season doesn't matter they were helped they built their home here um and they did so much off the field both with the media and with the community uh to make his time here in in dc all them that much more memorable
1: right and when you're talking about impactful contracts and the best free agent contracts it a lot of it has to do with you know, the appearance to the fans and is this player selling tickets Yeah, and people were there to see Max Scherzer pitch. And if they weren't, you know, filling the stands, they were listening to him because he would step up and he would talk and he would make those addresses to the media, even when it wasn't convenient and other players wouldn't.
0: Yeah. Well, let's take a look at that contract too. And some of the uh, details that were in it I mentioned it a bit earlier but let's break it down a little bit more uh, seven-year 210 million dollar deal included the 50 million dollar signing bonus to be paid out over 14 years again 10 million in 2015 his first season 15 million in 16 17 and 18 35 million and in 19 20 of course was partial because of the shortened season but then also in 2021 and then all the deferrals. Everyone wants to talk about the deferrals. Mm-hmm. $15 million per year from Washington from 2022, so starting this year through 2028. Although, after the trade, the Dodgers are on the hook for $35 million of the remaining $105 million he's set to collect, including the final installment of uh, the $15 million deferred uh, in 2028. So the Nationals are only paying him $70 million more from here on out. The other thing, too, is, you know, uh, well, And we, we'll talk about other contracts that have come since there, and spe- specifically for pitchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone loves talking about average annual value, AAV. What the def- here's what the benefit of the deferred money is. The average annual value for Max Scherzer while playing, the seven years that he played for the Nationals, was I think a little over 22 per year. And that is not a lot of money compared to what he was performing at that level and what he gave you. Uh, the 92 wins, the ERA under three, the 1,600 strikeouts, um, the playoff appearances. He was worth a lot more. I think he also had one of the highest wars of pitcher. Uh, yeah, 39.7 war per fan graphs That's the best amongst the pitchers yep. um, in that span. So he was worth a lot more than he was getting – paid on an annual average basis between 2015 and this past season, 2021. And that's the benefit of the deferred money, right? That one I sets up Max Scherzer as being set for life because he's being paid over 14 years. You know, he's going to be paid $50 million per year aside from the new contract he just signed. Um, so him and his family are set for life. And two, it that's kind of the pitch, right? You say here, by doing it this way, we have we being the nationals, have uh, financial flexibility to then go and build around you and add more talent to put together a competitive roster. And that's how the Nationals pitched it to him, and he was all aboard for that.
1: Right, exactly. There's some controversy with deferred money, but sometimes it really does work out. I mean, at the time of this contract, um, it was the largest contract that was given to a pitcher. Clayton Kershaw um, had, had the largest contract, but now you... And it was obviously seven years, which is a mm-hmm. lot longer than you're seeing now for a pitcher you're talking about that money per year. A lot of times now... You you'll see shorter contracts, but more money per year uh, because of the health and longevity of pitchers. And you're taking a gamble when you, you're you offering somebody a seven-year contract or like Steven Strasburg contract. And we kind of seen the, that backfire a little bit. So you're seeing more money per year a lot of times in these deals, which wasn't the case necessarily with Max Scherzer.
0: And you look at Max when he signed the deal, he was 30 years old when he signed he was only ninety-one and fifty, a win-loss record, and an ERA over three fifty in seven seasons with Arizona and Detroit. Of course, the American League Cy Young Award still in there. Um, a lot of his earlier times in Arizona, he wasn't a full-time starter, bouncing back and forth. So that kind of um, brings that brings inflates those numbers a little bit. But that you know. How often do you you look at those numbers? Take the name out of it. A 30 year old, 91 and 50, and a 358 ERA. Are you really going to dish out $210 million over seven years to a player like that? Probably not. But it was what his recent body of work did in 13 and 14 with the Tigers, reaching the World Series. that really spoke to the potential of this guy. And like I said, he bet on himself. He declined $144 million from the Tigers uh, a couple years prior, and and he won. And he, he, he knew that he could pitch better, and he found a suitor in the Nationals that were looking to take that next step. They had won two division titles in three years. They were looking mm-hmm. to take that next step to becoming uh, more uh, competitive and, and, and try to get there. And you sign a player like this to this amount of money to win a World Series. And now, exactly. I know it happened in the... This, what was it, the, the fifth season of, that he was here? But he got you one. He got you a ring. He got you that trophy that's going to stand in Nationals Park forever. Um, and so at the end of the day, you he accomplished what you signed him to do. And he also made ne- the Nationals, you know, other players before him do, Jason Worth, But he made the Nationals a place that players wanted to come and pitch and play for to try to win championships. Yeah,
1: exactly. It, it took a few years, but they made the playoffs three out of, those, out of his Yeah, uh,
0: 16, year, 17, so? 18. Uh, 19.
1: And, and 19. So they made the playoffs three years um, and then, of course, got that World Series win. So mm. he contributed to their success and he kept getting better. You know, he didn't come here and you have success for two years and then drop off. He just kept getting better and kept getting better. And that's why Max Scherzer has such great numbers in, in D.C.
0: And you look at the rotations that Max pitched with in his time here in D.C., uh, headlining every single one of them starting in 2015 Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Jordan Zimmerman, Gio Gonzalez, Doug Fister, And the fact that that team did not win to make it to the playoffs yeah. just goes to show how many injuries and how off lack of offense production they got because that's quite the rotation they had.
1: Right. Cause like you said, when he came here, the nationals had the best rotation by ERA in baseball, yeah. a- The year prior, yeah, yeah, just over three in 2014, and they had to move Tanner Roark to the bullpen to make room for Max Scherzer, Um, and that's how how jam packed this rotation was, and how good they were. So I'm surprised it did. That rotation didn't get there, and it took a few years to get there, but they made it work, and they kept adding to their pitching. It's not like those guys left, other than max and steven yeah and then you know that's all they were left. max with.
0: and steven and and if you don't want to include steven in the 2020 rotation or even this past season that's fine but max and steven are really the only mainstays throughout the mm-hmm. course of max's time here 2016 max strass geo tanner and joe ross 2017 max strass geo tanner joe ross slash edwin jackson remember edwin jackson that was mm-hmm. kind of his last uh, renaissance year, back in 2017 with the Nationals, won the division title with Dusty Baker. 2018, Davey Martinez, his first year as manager. Max, Strauss, Gio, Tanner, Jeremy Hellickson, and Eric Fetty, because Joe Ross was hurt. That's the year that he tore his, uh, he uh, needed a Tommy John surgery. And then 2019, this is all, everyone, all hands on deck, kind of. It was Max, Steven, the first year of Patrick Corbin, Anibal Sanchez, and then a combination of Eric Fetty, Joe Ross, Austin Voth, and Jeremy Hellickson in that five spot. We talk about the 2019 team all the time. That is them in a nutshell. High star power up front and then just piecing it together in the back end. And that's how they got to that championship level. 2020, of course, we know the struggles that they had all of baseball in the odd year that it was. Max, Patrick Corbin, Anibal Sanchez, Eric Fetty, Austin Voth. uh, uh, Steven Strasburg only pitches five innings total that year. Um, And then last year, Max for was it three or five starts. And then he goes down, and then Corbin, John Lester bring is brought in, Eric Fetty, Joe Ross, and Paulo Espino takes over, Strasburg's spot, um, basically in that rotation for the season. So he brought in and, and headlined really good pitchers over the last – that rotation over those seven years here with the Nationals. Of course, he goes to the Dodgers, and that rotation was just silly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he was the front man. And, you know, when he was brought in, you're, being, you're giving so much money to this guy, and you, everyone's thinking, it was like, well, who's the number one starter – well, you kind of have three number one starters, but Max is the number one starter. and You have 1A, B, and C, and Max was always 1A as the top dog.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's been the ace of every rotation that he's been on with the Nationals. In um, 2019 was that peak. You got the best of Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg in there, um, and then of course, you know, piecing together the back end there, you got the best of Annie Ball, uh, and then after that, things have kind of fallen apart a little, a little bit. bit. Steven Strasburg hasn't stayed healthy. Patrick Corbin hasn't been um, the guy he's been. So 2019, it all kind of, that whole contract led up to that World Series win, and things have kind of fallen apart since, which is of course why they ended up trading Max Scherzer at the trade deadline. So
0: let's get to that point uh, you brought it up right now. Enter 2021. Pandemic shortened season behind us. Full season now. Nationals are looking to get back to the postseason after winning the World Series. And the big question mark behind that question would be What's going to happen with Max? Because he is going to be set to be a free agent. There is some love and loyalty to this city and this town. Can the Nationals prove themselves to be competitors in a regular season and be able to get back to the postseason to have a shot at re-signing Max this offseason? We know that didn't pan out and didn't come to fruition, but Max did his part by the deadline he was 8 and four, two six seven 267 ERA 147 strikeouts and a whip of point eight nine two. Uh, with the with the first half of the season with the Nationals of course they were not where they were in the standings or where they wanted to be in the standings and Mike Rizzo decides to sell off and Scherzer traded the Dodgers with uh, Trey Turner on in July for four prospects Caber Ruiz Josiah Gray Gerardo Carrillo and Donovan Casey. Um, And that was the blockbuster at Mm -hmm. the trade deadline. We've talked about it a thousand times. Mm -hmm. The inclusion of Trey Turner into that deal also helps the Nationals net the top two prospects in the Dodger system. And K.B. Ruiz and Josiah Gray, uh, you know, become the faces of the franchise for the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, exactly. The combination between the market for pitchers being a little bit thin at this deadline and being able to include Trey Turner in that deal is why they were able to get such a big load in prospects back And. We didn't really think it was gonna happen. We didn't think it was gonna happen. And then it was like if they don't trade him, you know, what are they it's doing? A waste. Yeah, they yeah. they can't can't pay him all this money. This is the perfect time to get prospects back. You know you're gonna have to go through some length of a rebuild and Trey Turner and, and Max Scherzer. Had to go.
0: And you traded for a guy look, you still have Steven Strasburg on, on the books for a couple more years. You have Patrick Corbin's now halfway through his deal with the Nationals. But you traded for a guy in Josiah Gray who you hope becomes the next top three rotation starter uh for of the future. And and I'm not I'm not saying anyone can replace Max, but you know, someone who could hopefully fill in that role at some point and that not by the next time the Nationals have a competitive team. We know how much Mike Rizzo loves building around the rotation. Josiah Gray is one of the top names in that, mm-hmm. in that, because you traded a future Hall of Famer for him and one of the best shortstops in the league.
1: And I mean, you can't help but wonder if they would have chosen to keep Anthony Rendon, maybe not give Strasburg that contract. Would that have changed the fate of this team? Would that have changed the fate of Max Scherzer? Who knows? Um, but
0: Anthony Rendon hasn't played too many more games than Steven Strasburg has over the past couple of seasons either. So,
1: well, he's played a lot more. Well, games, okay, but, but as a position <laughs> as player, but in <laughs> terms of
0: availability, you know, yeah, that's if true. You're gonna yeah, are going to try to even it out. Completely no,
1: completely. Or that's the normal true.
0: Anthony Rendon that we saw here in DC. I mean, he's right. not putting up similar numbers, but yeah, I see your point. Right. Um, yeah. So, that we, we talked about a little bit. This contract had then set the stage. You mentioned Clayton Kershaw's, you know, Max was only second to his $215 million deal with the Dodgers. But this kind of set, I don't know if it, well, what do you think? Do you think this set the trend, a new trend of signing older pitchers, not just players, but pitchers who are way more risky than uh, position players to larger contracts? Uh, because Max was 30 years old at the time when he signed. And then we saw a handful of older of guys, uh, veteran pitchers around the same age, get similar deals in the years since. I don't,
1: I think you could say that. Yeah. I definitely think you can say that. There haven't been too many older guys that signed to that length um, of a deal, but you're certainly seeing more and a, a precedent of, Guys pitching longer, later, yeah, yeah, older. I mean, <laughs> it
0: is riskier to sign pitchers to this long, especially at the ages. But looking, if you're watching now on the uh, Facebook page or YouTube channel, here's a graphic showing of some of the biggest contracts that pitchers have signed since Max's deal. So later in the 2015 year, David Price, who was 30 years at the time, signs for seven years and 217 million dollars with the Red Sox. That's an average annual value of 31 million dollars. Uh, four days later, Zach Greinke, who was 32. Signed six years, $206.5 million with the Diamondbacks, $34.4 million AAV. And then in March 26, 2019, Jacob deGrom, 30. Not a free agent signing, but a five-year, $137.5 million extension with the Mets, the 2024 option, $27.5 million AAV. Uh, Steven Strasburg's deal, we know about that. He was 31 at the time, seven years, $245 million deal to re-sign with the Nationals. $35 $35 million AAV for Strauss. That, at the time, was the highest in baseball history, but that only lasted for nine days. Nine days later, Garrett Cole, who was 29, so younger than all of these guys mm-hmm. so far, nine years, $324 million deal with the Yankees, $36 million average annual value. That was the largest at the time that we've ever seen, surpassing Strauss. Um, and then Trevor Bauer, you know, I mean, we're not going to talk about <laughs> his off-the-field issues, but he signs, he was 30 years old, Three years, $102 million deal with the Dodgers. Opt-outs after this past season and next season, $40 million in 2021, $45 million in 2022. Both of those average annual values setting records for the highest single year salary for any player in baseball history at the time. And then Max comes right back and kind of resets this market. 37 years old, three years, $130 million deal with the Mets, a 434 or, excuse me, $43.3 million AAV. That's the largest in MLB history. Full no trade clause, opt out after 2023. And, of course, his first two starts as a Met could come against the Nationals this April.
1: Mm-hmm. So Garrett Cole, the youngest on that list, the longest deal on that list. Um, but you, there's a whole lot of guys who are later on in their career that are getting big, um, longer deals, which is a little bit risky. Yeah. But with a lot of these guys, there's been a huge payoff. Do you think, I mean, obviously every time a new deal is made, the there's a new you know, floor level that yeah. it just keeps going up and going up. Do you think we're going to continue to see that?
0: Well, that's the th- that was kind of my next question. So like, yeah, I think there, my ex has proven that yes, of course there's always a risk. It's always, no matter mm-hmm. what player or sport, whatever, there's always a risk committing that much money there's
1: going a a, to be a year where they right. fall off. It's right. going to happen. And it
0: never <laughs> happened with Max here, all right. fortunately. I mean, 2020, he struggled a little bit, but that was his worst year by far. Like we talked about the all-star accolades, the top five finishes mm. for Cy Young. So he was fantastic for all essentially seven years. But that's the thing. I mean, he bet on himself and the Nationals took a bet on him being already 30 and giving him that much money for a long term. And he proved that it's it can work out. And, you know, Strasburg, if you look at the list, is so far proof that – It might not work out sometimes. Um, I think he did kind of reset the precedent of, you know, it's not crazy to try to take a gamble on a pitcher like this. If they've proven that they can be durable, if they've proven that they can be a high-level pitcher, an all-star-level pitcher, Cy Young-level pitcher, it is kind of worth dishing out this money um, and and, and taking that risk. And it turned into a World Series championship and and multiple Cy Youngs for Max. So I think he did kind of set that precedent where it is – It's not totally crazy to give that much money out for that long of a period of time to an older type pitcher. And then also, did he also just kind of redo it in terms of average annual value at the age of 37? Now he's kind of resetting the trend of you can give even older pitchers Mm -hmm. shorter term deals for even higher average annual value. It doesn't have to be 200 plus million dollars, it can be higher amount of money for a shorter period of time. Right,
1: And that'll be interesting to see because obviously there's some great young pitchers in baseball right now, but the best pitchers are these older guys that are still pitching, um, have been the best pitchers of our generation. So it will be a few years before we see these young guys reach that. And you're seeing more players all around bet on themselves, reach free agency and, you know that's a gamble for the players too because obviously with pitchers the big conversation is health and can you stay healthy in the longevity of your career they're taking a gamble on themselves too like Max Scherzer did when he you know declined that that contract in Detroit so I'll be curious to see because all of these guys are still playing older and still the best pitchers in baseball uh, so I'll yep. be curious to see how that, that trend goes because there's going to be a point where you can't offer pitchers any longer of a contract. I mean, nine yeah, years in yeah. Garrett Cole is probably the longest we'll see.
0: Yeah. But, I mean. But, but who knows? So, nine years when he was 20, what, how old did I say Is 29? 29, yep. So, he'll be 38 at the time. So, that's only a year older than Max is. He could mm-hmm. get a two, maybe three-year deal, two deal with an option with a really high average annual value if he turns out you know, to be the Garrett Cole that we've seen over the next – uh, what, he's the two years into so next seven years. So he's essentially ent- entering the time frame that Max had his deal. And then you also mentioned the younger pitchers of our day. You you think about guys like Walker Bueller, Jack Flaherty, Corbin Burns. These guys are going to pay off because of the deal that Max signed mm-hmm. and then everyone else has signed off too. They're all, I think, around 27 or younger. They haven't hit their big contract deal. And then maybe you think about, okay, it worked out for Max. Maybe I do want to take deferred money. Uh, and, and then after this deal hopefully re-sign a shorter, higher average annual value deal like Max did. I mean, Max has laid a blueprint. Now, of course, he's a different animal, future Hall of Famer, uh, one of the best pitchers we've ever seen in all the time. But he did lay a blueprint of, here, sign a long-term deal. It's okay to accept deferred money, and then set yourself up to cash in Mm -hmm. again before you retire.
1: He set the standard, you know, and then they just keep adding on and on and on, and it only benefits the guys coming up. I mean, It only helps drive their price up, I think, their contracts up. Yeah.
0: And if you're asking, if you're sitting at home and watching or listening and you're wondering about, well, the Nationals also signed Patrick Corbin to a big deal and he was a little younger. Right. He was 29 when he signed in 2018, but it was a six year deal, only $140 million. That's only an average annual value of 23.3, which, as I said earlier, is essentially what Max earned every single year as a national. Now of course he's getting paid for seven more years, right. and the Dodgers are picking up some of that money now. But think about how productive Patrick Corbin has been over the last two years, and he's earning a little more money than Max did over his seven years, mm. in terms of the seven years he's playing. It's pretty crazy. That's kind of crazy to think about. And yes, Patrick Corbin was younger. It's a it's a it's a long deal. It's not as high as a, an average annual value as other guys. Um, but Patrick Corbin, you can. Patrick Corbin might be able to turn to Max and say, thank you because he right. kind of Max set that bar. And of course Patrick didn't reach it, but that had to have some effect in the negotiations.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, that's why you're seeing shorter deals, higher average or um, yeah. Annual price. And Patrick Corbin, I mean, what were three years in?
0: Yep. We're halfway three years
1: through. in. So only halfway through with Patrick Corbin and the rest of his time is, you know, left to be untold, but
0: we can talk who about Patrick Corbin coming yeah. up in the future, but yeah, Patrick Corbin, fantastic in 19, struggled mightily in 2020, struggled for, I want to say like 80%, maybe even higher of 2021, finished a little stronger than we mm-hmm. saw him, we talked about, but still not where the level of when you're paying $23.3 million a year to a guy uh, who, especially with Max gone and Strauss hurt was supposed to be your ace down the stretch. Mm-hmm. In the season, I know they were out of it, but he was supposed right. to be their best pitcher, and uh, you know the numbers did not l- stand up to the right. level. You of never how much know, he's going and to you pay. never
1: know with pitchers. That's the thing. That's why long contracts are risky, yep. uh, but there's sometimes a payoff for both the player and the team, and that's what we saw with Max Scherzer with the Nationals, one of the best. Con- one of the best free agent deals in history. Yeah,
0: looking at the guys that we talked about earlier, of course Jacob Degrom was an extension, so he hasn't hit free agency yet, and the Mets basically buying that out and, and trying to not reach him for let him reach free agency just yet. Um, but he was going to cash in major whenever he reached to that point. So that was back in 2019. So uh, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. That will be up, and he has an option for 2024. So that will be up in the next couple of years. But David Price. Pitched well with the Red Sox. uh, Finally got his World Series title. Zach Greinke earned himself a trade to a contender in the Astros. Of course, you know, if Zach Greinke isn't taken out when he was in Game Mm -hmm. 7, the Astros probably win the 2019 World Series. Um, And then Garrett Cole has been phenomenal with the Yankees. He just needs more help around him. and. Trevor Bauer was great in, for the uh, the Reds and for the first half that he was with the Dodgers, but now, of course, dealing with a bunch of off-field issues that uh, could cost him a bunch of money and you know the good light of the public. Right. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so maxers are kind of redefining how pitchers are being viewed at older pitchers specifically, mm-hmm. and um, and the and the kind of money and contracts that they're being uh, awarded to once once they hit free agency. Um, and you look at a team like the Mets. I mean, they just Threw a bunch of money at him for a short period of time and they bought out Jacob DeGrom uh, free agency essentially or pushed it back a little bit. So, um, you know, you're looking at a you could look at it that way too as a team, being like, you know what, we don't want this guy to get to the point where he's asking for a Max Scherzer deal. Let's try to get him now exactly. so we don't have to overpay him, or not overpay him, but pay him way too much than we're ready to at this moment.
1: Mm-hmm. So with all of that being said, I mean, looking at the new standard that he really set for uh, for pitchers and his success with the Nationals, do you think it was the best free agent signing?
0: Yes. I I mean, there, there's a lot of older free agent signings, um and, and, you know, you have to vet, you weigh them based on, you know, the market at that time. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, I was looking up lists of top three agents. I think I have some of them still right here. Um, but, like, you know, you're talking about, like, Randy Johnson um, and Carlos Beltran. Mm-hmm. Um, people threw around Alex Rodriguez twice. So um, it's it's different, you know, in time. But Max is included in all those lists. And I think most of the ones I saw, he was at least top Three. three. Everywhere. So it's, it's so easy for us to say it because we're so up close and personal with it, right? Like mm-hmm. we saw every almost every pitch that he threw as a national up close and personal um, and, and looking at the $210 million. Now, it also should be noted that he ends up earning, I think, total from the nationals over $260 million with the $50 million signing bonus that was supposed to be paid out and then all the award incentives and stuff. I think I saw that he actually is going to end up being paid over $260 million from the Nationals instead of the two ten, mm-hmm. But that's still worth it. I mean, you look at the mon- – I mean, if you're paying under $300 million for seven years of Max Scherzer, you would take that every single time. Right. In his prime.
1: Yeah, when you're looking at these lists, I think it's like, you know, and kind of judging the, the value or the worth of the, the, the contract, it's like what did the player do while he was there and for the whole time? His success over the whole um, if, the whole extension of his contract. What was the success of the team over the the whole length of the contract, and how much of a part of that was the player? Um, and then, of course, you know, were they healthy? Did especially when you're talking about pitchers, you know, did they pitch? Over that whole duration of the of the contract, and Max Scherzer, I mean, Chet, like back part. to back Cy Youngs, yep. um, you know, an All Star in every eligible season. He had the most innings in his contract since 2015. Um, you know. Most war, and the only other player when you're looking at a lot of these lists, and a lot of these guys, it wasn't necessarily that they did so well in their first contract, it was when they signed extensions. And mm-hmm. so it, that's kind of hard to tell. But you mentioned Randy Johnson. I think he's probably one of the most comparable ones because he yeah. won four consecutive Cy Youngs. Uh, they won their only World Series when he was there. And ironically enough with the Diamondbacks. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is where Max started. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have the success of the team. You have his success. Yeah. He played for the whole duration of his, his contract. So it's, you know, it's hard to tell. There's so much that goes right. into it. Money. The market was completely different back in the nineties. Yep. than It is now, but Max Schroeser is definitely
0: up there. And, and also in terms of when you're talking about a pitcher, you talk about team success. Like that's very hard to calculate when they don't play mm-hmm. every single day. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like every every thing that you just listed. The box was checked in terms of Max. Scherzer.
1: Exactly, like selling tickets is a huge part of that. And when jerseys, and right. when Everything
0: that they buy when they in mm, the stadium.
1: When you're paying a, a player a pitcher that much, you want the seats to be filled when he's pitching. You want people to be buying his jersey. Right. The fans, you know, perspective and liking of him is a huge part of yeah. your it being worth the money. And they got that in Max shirts Okay,
0: I wonder what. The total economic impact of Max Scherzer was the DC area over the past seven years. We benefited. He did a lot of stuff for us on Masson, which was super helpful. And uh, fans—that was some of our highest social impressions, uh, Twitter takeovers, uh, meeting, meets, and greets. Um, I think
1: yeah, people are like in are still so intrigued by him. Like different than other players, different than other pitchers. I mean, I love to watch Garrett Cole pitch, but there's not that same level of like intensity and like yeah. Half a little bit craziness that yeah. you get from Max
0: Scherzer. I, I, am I mean, living in the area. Uh, I have a lot of friends that, and and r- probably you too, but friends and family members who are fans of other teams and rivals too. Like, of course, we know a lot of Orioles fans from mm-hmm. where we grew up, um, and the time we grew up, but also fans of the Mets, Phillies, ever, and universally, he's the most, or I guess was the most beloved National. Like people was like, I hate the Nationals. But I really? love Max Scherzer. He is so fun to watch. Yeah. He is must watch every single time he's yeah. on the mound.
1: Exactly. It's
0: you can't calculate right. that. Like you can't a, put a number on that. Right.
1: A, like it is entertaining, and you, you know you just respect him. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the greatest, maybe the greatest pitcher we're going to see, yeah. um, in you know our lifetime, at least coming up in our generation. Yeah. So you have to respect it.
0: Real quick, another story along those lines. I, a buddy who grew up grew up an Orioles fan. Uh, um, Played baseball his entire life was a left-handed pitcher. Um, he, in college, he would stop everything and watch every single Justin Verlander start. He loved Justin Verlander. He's like he is masterful at what he does. Mm-hmm. Then Max Scherzer came and he said Max Scherzer is far and beyond more must-watch than Justin Verlander ever was, just because he is the intensity he brings, the attention to detail, and and as a guy who was into die-hard Orioles fan, you know. Obviously, did not like the Tigers. Didn't really care for the Nationals, but he was like, I will watch every single start Max Scherzer. T- every time he takes the mound, I'm watching for every single pitch because he's that intense, right? And that, fun to watch.
1: Yeah, exactly. That intense, and to even just like sit down and listen to him talk about the game and his just knowledge of baseball and the intricacies is just. I, I love to hear him speak. So yeah. all around. This was a good deal.
0: Yeah, yeah, that worked <laughs> out. Um, it'll be interesting to see how his new deal pans out with the Mets. Yep. Uh, we went over that. And, of course, like I said, possibly his first two starts in the Mets, blue and orange, come against the Nationals. Once the season gets started, first at City Field opening weekend, and then probably the following weekend at Nationals Park as the Nationals open up their home slate. Uh, the following weekend against the Mets uh, before, after two games against the Phillies. So keep an eye on that. Of course, I I can't wait because I saw a couple up front during spring training, Max Scherzer versus Juan Soto. That is going to be a oh must watch. Gosh. We're going to have to watch that. Those are going to be you know three at bats probably. Probably maybe two per game, and those are going to be some intense matchups and battles at the plate that's between Max be and weird. Juan.
1: It's going to be, it's so, gonna be
0: weird. so weird. Um, like I said, seeing them seeing at spring training was weird, knowing that they were teammates. Now seeing Max in a different uniform is going to be very bizarre. So that's something to look forward to this season when the Mets and and the Mets what <laughs> the Mets and the Nats play each other um, over the course of this season. Um, anything. Other, you want to mention about Max and his time here in DC? He's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's a a fun exercise. I'm glad we got to that (laughs) uh, since we uh, we got a little sidetracked last week with Kevin Franzen news. But um, next week, we will be talking about possibly the next Max Scherzer on the Nationals team. We're going to be looking at some of the top pitching prospects on the farm system and predicting when they will make their debuts with the Nationals and maybe see if one of them or a handful of them can take Max's Mm -hmm. place in the rotation and become the next dominant starting pitcher for the Nationals. So that will be next week. Be sure to tune in to the Mass and All Access podcast live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. And, of course, check us out on the audio formats, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Follow at Master Nationals across the board on social media. Amy's at Amy Jennings News. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Big thanks to Brendan Mortensen for his work behind the scenes. And thanks to you for tuning in and listening along all offseason long. We'll be back next week. We'll see you then.